0: your life if something awesome has happened this is a great thing to do that as well as you got a praise report let us know answered prayer let us know that's a big deal to us and we love to share that with our team well we are in our second um, we're in our second week of just looking at the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy and we call it the book of 2nd Timothy but it's not, a, it's not a book it's a letter this is a this is a correspondence. In our culture this would be an email. And uh or or it's not a it's too long to be a to be a tweet. So and uh but it'd be it would be something that we would pass on. And um are we having issues, I guess? So there we go. And uh, I'm just gonna ignore and move forward. And uh Anyways, that this is a, it's a letter. And so we've been looking at this. And this is a letter from the guy who wrote the bulk of the New Testament. He writes the bulk of this. He writes all of these different, uh, writes all of these different things. And as he is pouring into it, he's creating disciples. He is mentored, raised up elders, all these different things. And we get to the Timothy's. This is his number one disciple. So we've got Paul, probably what we would consider the most mature believer of, the, of this early century, who is pouring into his number one disciple. So this is, this is heavy hitter stuff. This is stuff from, one, from this papa in the Lord's heart to his number one son. And he wants to see the work moved forward. Last week we talked about... What it means with generations, and we looked at this concept that, even though Paul had poured into Timothy directly and had mentored him, he recognized the faith of his grandmother and his mother and these generations. I love that we did this baby dedication that had the grandparents and the mama and the son, and it 's about generations it 's about it moving forward and clocking forward well, as we step into chapter two. Well, just like when you write an email or a letter, you don't go, okay, part one, and I'm going to do this, and now this is part two. There were no chapter ones and chapter twos. It's a free flow of ideas. So we've got to carry over some things. And, uh, but this big concept we want to, to carry away, as looking at Timothy, is that Paul's letters to Timothy give us insights into the core issues of life, love, and leadership. And at the end of chapter one, Paul was talking about those who had quit. They had been supporting him apart. They'd been traveling with him, and they bailed. And he says, all these people have bailed on me. Everybody's just kind of abandoned me. We've we've had this awesome assignment. We've been going around doing things, and people have just kind of been... Lopping off and just kind of quitting. Then he immediately goes into bragging on this one guy and saying, man, he's just gone above and beyond. And that's how we close chapter one. And this is where the chapter two that for our references picks up. But this is his very next thought. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We start in grace, and when he's been talking to his number one son about sticking it out and moving forward and pursuing God, it's still about grace. Be strong in the grace. Grace isn't just this unmerited favor. It's also God's enabling power. God gives us the ability, his grace gives us the ability to do things we can't do on our own. When we feel tapped and we're done, God's grace, His power, His energy is effectively works in us if we will allow it and carries us to places we couldn't go on our own. He says, in the things that you have heard from me. So part of this moving forward, you've heard me speak into your life. You've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people. So that they will be qualified to teach others also. Paul never lets up on the generational thing. I've poured into you. You pour into others. Who will also pour into others? And guess what? It worked because we're here. He poured into faithful people who poured into faithful people, who poured into faithful people, and not everybody ran the distance with it. But as he recruited ten, if only two of them carried it out, then guess what? Those two did the same thing. And it made it thousands of years and thousands of miles to us in West Texas, on the other side of the planet from where all this went down, and you and I are recognizing the goodness and the love and the grace of God that is, was given us in Christ Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit through people through the generations it carried on and this is part of it the reason we us connecting with each other the reason that small groups and connecting in a more intimate way and doing life together is so important is because that's how it was built to happen it was built to happen together That's why we're called not just little adopted children and we're all kind of segregated. We all have our own little relationship with Papa God. We're called the family of God and we're even called the body of Christ. We are interdependent on each other. The flow of God works best in our lives when we're connected with other people. I tell you what, we love getting some rain, but in West Texas rarely do we just get rain. Thankfully, we didn't have a whole lot of ugliness on this deal for, on our end. We've been in prayer for all of those who've had the, dealt with the destruction and pain and, and the flooding. But on our end of it, we've, it's, things have gone pretty good. Our, our grounds have been replenished, and there haven't been too many crazy tornadoes and whatnot. But I grew up in Odessa, and it's just nice and flat out there, flatter than it is here, believe it or not. And I'm... Um, So you get over in that part of the world, and a storm comes up. Well, it's just got this playground. It's flat. Nothing's in its way. A storm can just do whatever it wants. Man, storms come in, and you can see lightning for forever away, and it can really be a pretty experience. But then when these tornadoes and all this stuff come up, it's not cool. And my dad has worked in the oil field as long as I've been alive. And part of that job is when lightning and storms and stuff shut things down. Well, guess what? That oil's got to keep coming out of the ground. It's supposed to come out 24-7. So something shuts down, an alarm goes off, phone rings. My dad jumps in the truck at 2 o'clock in the morning and goes out in the storm to make the oil come out of the ground again. And it's just that's part of his job, was on call. And this one particular night that there were some pretty significant storms. And it was, a, it was a pitch black night, but the lightning would come. And my dad said it would just light up the whole area like you just daylight. And when would do this, he was out in the middle of nowhere. Don't have cell phones and all of those, that stuff like we do today. And he sees five tornadoes that are all the way around him. And he's out in a pickup truck. Out on flat, there ain't no place to go hide. There's no ditch to get in. There's nothing. He's just out in the middle of it. And he just begins to pray. And my mom gets awoken by the Holy Spirit to go out and to pray. And my mom goes out and instead of praying and just hiding in the house, she decides she's going to go yell directly at the storm. So she goes outside and goes out at the storm. And she's praying and she's yelling at the storm and she's just going at it. Well, this, our neighbor, who is also a believer, sees this lady yelling at the storm when she's supposed to be inside where there's no lightning or rain. And the, our neighbor lady comes out and asks my mom what's going on. And she is praying, and she is standing in faith, and she's praying over my dad, and she doesn't really know what's going on. She hasn't gotten word. She just knows she needs to pray. And this lady comes out and joins her. She could have invited her into the house and and said, well, let's go pray inside. And so both of these ladies looked like crazy women standing out inside, wind blowing, everything going, and just praying over my dad. Well, my dad finally gets home early the next morning after being out all night. And where he was, there were all of the telephone poles all get snapped. uh, Pump jacks pump jack got blown over those things are heavy on big concrete thing gets knocked over by these tornadoes and my dad's little blue ford pickup truck stays right in the middle completely unharmed completely taken care of man i tell you what prayer works but prayer of agreement carries things to another level we're called to be involved in each other's lives that we have to be. We're not called to try to do this alone. If you're trying to walk this thing out with God by yourself, you will exhaust yourself. But when you connect with someone else, then you, all of a sudden you can get strength from them. This is about doing this thing together. Being in each other's storm. Being in each other's fight. Standing together. And in fact, that's the very next thought that Paul brings But before we get to that, we want to do the takeaway is that staying focused on what truly matters gets us through the difficult times. Verse 3, his very next thought says, join with me in suffering. Oh, isn't that fun? Join with me in suffering. Celebration Church, join with us in suffering. That'll pack the place out, won't it? It'll be our billboard at the new building. Come suffer with us. Not really. Not really. But let's read the whole concept. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Ah, there's a point. There's some difficulty. There's a point. I've got an assignment. We're going somewhere with this deal. It says no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. We're not going to get all wrapped up in all of the... The, the stuff that can distract us from our core assignment, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, maybe, you, maybe the whole military thing gives you the willies. We'll look at another thought. Similar, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by, by competing according to the rules. Okay? Maybe you don't like the, the military metaphor. Well, you understand what it means to be an athlete, They put in all of this effort, muscle soreness, extra practices, all these different things. Why? Because they're looking for something down the road. It's about the assignments, about the race that we're going to run. Okay, maybe you don't like that one. I'm not much of an athlete. That don't speak to me. I'm not super coordinated. Well, let's look to the next one. It says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive the share of crops. This guy gets out and he tills up his land and he preps it. And the work he does that day, does he eat one thing out of the work he did that day? No. Work he does the next day, stick any food in his mouth? No. He's ready and looking towards that day. When that little sprout comes up and the stalk comes up and the the thing grows and it's ripe for harvest and then it feeds him and his family For the next year to come till the next harvest. But he puts in all of this time. And he puts in these efforts and these things that aren't any fun to do in the moment. Because he sees that there is a payoff that is worth it. Folks, I'm just going to tell you, ministry is not easy. People say, man, you just got the cushiest job. You work one hour a week. Okay, and come follow me around if you think that's the truth. This is the fun part. I do this part for free. This is, part of, this is the easy part. <laughs> and uh, But it is. It's work. It's heartbreak. There's different things. You're in the middle of each other's struggles. You're in the middle of each other's pain. And there's some, there's some difficult moments. But you know what? The reward. There, are in anything else I could give my time to that would give any more reward. Than seeing the winds in your lives and then the people you're praying for and reaching out. And I get the testimonies and I get to be a part of all of those. I get to be here and to be on that and all of that. So guess what? All of a sudden it makes all of the rest of it uh, <clears throat> fine. Can you imagine how many diapers that we have gone through with seven children? And each one of those little stinky diapers is so worth it and we don't even think about it and we didn't keep a tally of it and we didn't keep cost of how much we've spent on formula or any of that because it would probably make me want to throw up. But more importantly, is because we weren't thinking about that. It's about the joy. of our, And parenthood is a struggle. But man, there is so much joy. Following full out after God and living in His grace doesn't mean that it's not going to be a struggle, not going to be some difficulties, but it is so worth worth it and when we stay focused on what it's really about it helps us from it keeps us from getting off course when Weston my 16 year old was in kindergarten we had started this little thing with him and we had wanted to encourage them to be to be good stewards and to be savers and uh, we would allow them we would go out to eat and 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 if they choose water, then we would give them a dollar instead of buying the soda. They could have the soda, but they wouldn't get a dollar. And like, oh, we're going to be out the money either way. We'd rather let you choose to be good stewards of this. And so then you know, we would <clears throat> taught them about the power of, of interest, compounding and investing. And so and, and taught them about what mutual funds and some of those things are. And so we're on a, on a little level. So Weston is in the fifth grade and. He understood some of those concepts. And so they're out at not fifth grade. He's in kindergarten. He's five years old. And uh, I had a five. It was a five. It's five years old. He's with his kindergarten teacher out on the playground. Just put in a new playground, brand new slide. Everybody's enjoying it. And so the, uh, his kindergarten teacher says, hey, you know, uh, they kept telling her to go, go slide, go slide. And she said, Weston, I'll get on the slide. If you'll give me a dollar. And he looked at her and he said, I can't give you a dollar. My dollar's going to my mutual fund for my grandkids. <laughs> and, and she uh, got a hold of us after school and she's like, That was the funniest thing ever. What, what, what five year old? Things like that. I was like, well, just, I thought he wasn't even getting it. So I'm glad to know he understood a little more than I thought he did. And so, but that moment he was able to make a decision in the moment that maybe was be a little funny. He could have been the hero of the moment and got the teacher to go down the slide for a dollar and looking at something else down the road and already having a priority, already having a thought, already having something else down the road then all of a sudden brought this place of control and this place of understanding. And for the joy that was set before him on that front, he put the other aside. And when we stay focused on all the amazing things that God has for us, we can deal with some of the struggles. It's not struggle for struggle's sake. It's not pain for pain's sake. None of that is god 's not called to that, but there's this place there's this we 'll even have tension within ourselves as the spirit calls us to one place and our on our body and our soul are trying to dig in and not go into that and there'll be these places of tension, but it 's all worth it. I also want us to, <clears throat> to walk away today understanding that our strength comes from remembering what Jesus has already accomplished you know if you 're in this and you're thinking that this is a, all about what you do, that, that heaven and your position with God is all about what you do, it becomes frustrating. When we understand this, what he has already accomplished. And here, real quick, we have to take this in. All of my homiletic students, this is we're about to look at something that this is why we look at passages and we look at context. Because there's a scripture in here we're going to look at that you take it all by itself and you can go get wonky with it. But we are... uh, But Paul quickly addresses, because he's encouraging encouraging Timothy to stay the course and to keep on. That's what's on his heart, the generations. And so he encourages Timothy and talks about what it means to keep on. But he also talks about what it means to quit, and he also talks about what it means to question. And so we want to look at this right quick. In verse 8, it says, Remember... Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Remember Jesus. He did something nobody else has ever done and he rose from the dead and he still lives. Remember that. We're not just have some prophet that's in a hole that we go and celebrate at his grave. His grave is empty. Things are a little different now. Remember that. <clears throat> The offspring of David as preached in my gospel. I love how as Paul gets older, he just begins to own it. I hope when you tell that this is your gospel, I hope you get it inside. This is my gospel. This is my good news. That it came to me and this is is mine for which I am suffering. Bound with chains as a criminal. He is locked up. This is one of his prison epistles. This is one of his prison letters. It says, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, for those who would choose Christ, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. And when you look at this, most theologians say that this is a little stanza from a well-known hymn. And when you read it, it feels like that. It's not just Paul's stream of consciousness writing anymore. It goes into this other thing, and he says, this is a trustworthy saying. If this isn't a hymn of the early church, this is something that was repeated a lot. This is something that they understood. This is a trustworthy saying, if we have died with him, we also live with him. If we reckon that his death was our death, We already live with Him. We live. He said, died past tense, live right now. This is something that you have to have concreted in. This is what the foundation for everything is all about this. If we endure, if we keep on, it's worth it. Why? There's something that comes with just rolling with your assignment of allowing God to carry on the big plan He placed in your heart. Whether or not that happens is up to you. Not everyone lives out. There are are tons of people that get saved and, and, and recognize that they step over from death to life and they put the brakes on and they never go forward from there. And all of us have a big assignment with a big impact, all of us. He says if you do it, you, get him, you you roll on, you endure, you stay moving forward with all that God has. He's already laid the foundation of what heaven's about. Heaven's about recognizing what Christ did. He's already done that. So if we endure, we will also reign with him. He's using some imagery here of this, this guy who goes in and conquers and all of those who were there in the battles and help make that and bring that kingdom forward. They all got part of it. They all reigned. They, got, they all got uh, appointments in the government and all of these different things. And that he <clears throat> talks about their, this eternal reward is what he's talking about. That if we endure, we will also reign with him. So if you keep on, we will also have this reward that comes. I have provided you with some further scripture and some further stuff for you to study if you want to on what eternal reward is about. Now we really get onto it, and, and the most clear one there is the first one I gave you, First Corinthians. <clears throat> and you get into that in first actually the second one, First Corinthians 3, 12 through 15. And he clearly lays it out, it's not about salvation. You can take it and, the, and everything you ever do gets burnt up as worthless, and that you are saved even as one escaping the flames. But we don't want that. We want to press on. So the next one is the one that says, the commander asks you to do something and you go, nope. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. If we deny him, he will also deny us. This is the one that you take it all out of context and all of a sudden it looks like that you ever say, "Mm, I don't know about this Jesus thing, well then your salvation is thrown to the wind. That is not the context, that is not what that is saying. What this is, is this concept of, is that this part of this, this eternal reward, this moving forward in your assignment, you've got to make those decisions to it. You've got the grace of God to fulfill it. You've got heaven's resources to make it happen, but it has to be your will involved. It has to be. And if you back out and you do that, then you sacrifice that eternal reward. Paul clearly lays that out in 1 Corinthians 3. So for those that quit, that's what's on the line, not heaven. It's that, it's that reward on the filling fill the assignment. But what about those that question? You don't just stick your heels and go, yeah, you know what, I'm, I, I'm a believer, but I've just, uh, the whole church thing, the whole deal, I just don't know. I don't know about this. And they just kind of quit. If we'll be honest, there were some of us in this room that it took everything you could to come to Celebration Church or some other church because you would been in that point that you said yeah jesus is him i've tried this whole thing i've been burnt people have hurt me all that kind of stuff and you just kind of quit you'd feel the spirit of god asking you to do some things wanting you to pray for somebody wanting you to reach out and you just stonewall it you just said, i've been hurt too many times you didn't get kicked out of heaven you didn't all of a sudden that there's just the brakes were put on like, I still believe in Jesus. I'm still there. Well, what happens with those that take the next step? And they don't just, you get to keep on. We get the, the quit. What about those that actually fall into the place of questioning? I love this trustworthy saying, and it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. You're part of the body of Christ. He's not trying to lop his fingers off or anything else. He's grafted you in and he wants you apart. And even in that place of questioning, we are now, it's not our thing of our faith that keeps us connected. Now we have said yes to him. We are alive in him. And it's, it's his faithfulness that keeps us apart. Amen. That is who he is and that is what he does. It says, remind them. Of these things. Remind. That this is what this is about. This is why we keep moving forward. Because it's worth it. It's not because we're trying to earn something. He's already done it. We're not trying to earn salvation. He's already given it to us. But what we want to do is we want to live our lives with full impact. Full impact for him. Remind. It says do your best to present to God. As one approved. A worker who needs not be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. With Paul needs to tell Timothy that. Then guess what? Then the opposite is true. He could not rightly handle the word. He could be a worker that's ashamed of what he's done. As a person in the kingdom of God who's saved and going to heaven. So Paul's encouraging him. Let's do this right. Let's do this right. But avoid irreverent babble. Or some translations say godless chatter. For I will lead people into more and more For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene and among them are Hymenaeus and Philatius who have swerved from the truth and saying that the resurrection has already happened, that Jesus has already done it and now we're just stuck here for some reason and they've upset the faith of some. Stay focused on the promises and what Christ has promised and what he's done. And then last of all, that choosing to move forward means choosing to pursue things that are life-giving and leave behind those things that aren't. That's what this is about. Choosing to pursue that is life-giving. And just Paul in multiple other places says everything's, benefic- everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Not everything's worth doing. Not everything has benefit to it. Not everything's life-giving. And now as a Christ follower he's choosing and making decisions is this going to bring life or is it not going to bring life and he's making decisions based on that. And verse 19 nevertheless God's solid foundation stands firm. I tell you what I like a solid foundation. I had a run in with a ceiling when my foot missed the joist. And this leg all the way went all the way through the ceiling. this, I've got a beat-up shin. It doesn't feel good. As I missed the solid foundation. It was no fun. And uh, you want a firm foundation. Sealed with this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Let's keep rolling. In a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver... Those are the fancy ones, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purpose, and some are just for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments of special purpose. What's the latter he's referencing about turning away from wickedness? If we'll let God deal with that stuff that's in our lives that is not life-giving, then it sets us apart for special use. That's, that's what he's talking about. For special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. You know, there's some things that may be permissible, but I guarantee you, when it's all said and done, you don't want me doing them. You don't want me. You don't want a pastor that does that. You want some things, to there's some places Guess what? That's not just me as a pastor. That's all of us. That's all of us. My pastor, who will be here in a few months to, on a Sunday morning, when he, he was a railroad guy. When he first came to Christ, he'd been a railroad guy for a while. Farmer, rough guy, raised in church all his life, but he, he went through a, a, a significant phase. And um, anyways, in that, he picked up the good old West Texas Bronk busting habit of a good old chew and a good old red man. And so there's nothing that says that tobacco will send you on a grease pole to hell. Okay, so that's not what we're talking about. But the truth is is that any kind of addiction and, and those things, they're just it's just not life giving. And as he's a as he was getting ready and had a desire to go into ministry. Most people don't want to have their pastor to go over to the spittoon between points. They just don't. Today, he is the executive director of Christ for the Nations Institute. And I guarantee none of them want an executive director that's got a good little chaw dribble and a good little stain. It's just not not life-giving. We understand the carcinogens. We understand all of those different things. It's not good for your body. Walk away from it. But he was addicted to it. And it was part of it. And, and he didn't know what to do. He tried to quit and tried to quit and tried to quit and tried to quit. And it just couldn't get rid of it. And finally, he was told, given some wisdom. Says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Wait. And when the Holy Spirit says, it's time to walk away. Obey right then. Roll with it right then. The grace is there. Do it. Quit trying this in your own strength to go, God, look what I did for you. I quit bipping. Nope. He had other issues to deal with at that time. He was focusing on those issues. The chew came later. And, of course, it came after he bought two fresh packs, a red man. Got on a long haul on a train. Pops open his fresh pack. And any of you that do that understand the aroma and the excitement. And, uh, and uh, gets a big old wad of that stuff and goes to stick it in his mouth. And feels like the Holy Spirit says, you don't need that. And he's like, all right. And he takes it, takes the other pack, goes to the trash can, throws it away. Walked the, and didn't suffer withdrawals, didn't suffer any of that mess. Walked away from it and hasn't dealt with it since. And like the whole time he was pursuing ministry, the whole time he was getting mentored, the whole time all that, and he'd have to take his chew breaks and all that stuff. But it's the grace of God that works in us. And there are things that aren't life-giving that as we move forward and we keep on with our assignment, there are some things that are going to have to stop. Because they take our time away and they take our energies away and they produce no good. In fact, a lot of them are destructive. And our discipleship process is about letting God have rule in our lives. And saying, you know what, God, I give you all of it. And I give it to you in your time, and I'm going to let you be the one to lead this. And as you and I lean into the grace of God, then He is the one that does the work in us. He's the one that does it. He is just reiterating what he had already told Timothy in his first letter in 1 Timothy 6. He says, but you men of God, flee from all this. On that one, he's actually talking about the love of money and, and, and trying, to, trying to gain a bunch and being this selfish moneymaker. He says, but it's still unhealthy things. Flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and endurance. In verse 22, I had skipped over that. He says, flee from the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. Just one more, see, that he says, along with those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. These people in the process with us, they make the difference. So yet again, I want to ask you, where are you? Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Where are you? This isn't, this isn't, we're having a fun day, aren't we? This is about what God, let God be the one. Don't you tell God where you are. God, I need to work on this. I know this. I need to fix this. Maybe he didn't even talk about that right now. Let him talk to you. Let the Holy Spirit answer the question where you are. And then let God answer the question of which way forward from here because we are all on a journey forward as we keep on, as we pursue It's a journey towards Him. And if you and I will just keep on that deal of keeping this great place of grace for each other, let the grace of God come into our lives and say, God, you can change what you want to change, then He'll do it. And we'll be made more and more into the image of His Son. I want to create a quiet moment right here. And if you say, Brandon, I understand this. I thought I had to fix everything myself. And I thought that God wanted me to just deal with all this junk. And then finally present myself to him clean and pure. And I recognize he wants me how I am. And he'll take me like this. Because his son paid the price. And he's the one that's going to do the work in me. I can't clean myself. He's the one that does the change. And if that's you this morning and you say, I want that. I believe that Jesus provides that. I believe that Jesus provided that. Now I want you to raise your hand and we just want to pray with you. Awesome. 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 Wonderful. Believers, I want you to just lift your voice. I want you to lift your voice with me and with these. And say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you died in my place. And that now I have life. Because of what you've done. My sins are paid. And you are my father now. Now I'm your child. And you're going to work in me. Bringing out the new creation. That I am right now. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yes.